What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Lakers Outsiders Podcast, brought to you by UCAS Studios. I am your host, Gary Kessler, here with you as always, and rejoining me today after a two-podcast, two-stream hiatus, hopefully we don't run into any technical difficulties on his end, is Hani Amadian. Hani, there's some serious pressure for you on this pod because the last two that we had Jacob on, the Lakers are 2-0, and right after Jacob and I are doing these. So now if the Lakers lose Game 3, we know we can just blame you for it. Well, you're right, but the good thing about that is that it would bring me closer to being right about my prediction. So, you know, who's to say if that's a, a win or a loss? You heard it here, folks. Ronnie <laughs> is rooting for the Miami Heat to win at least the next two games. I say at least because it might be two, it might be four. I don't, I don't really know this guy anymore. So, I am wearing. I, I just noticed I'm wearing a very Miami Vice looking shirt. So, <laughs> this was a poor choice. <laughs> We got him, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We got him. No, uh, but we're going to talk about game two of the NBA Finals today. The Lakers, uh, kind of a weird game. <laughs> Had a really weird feel to it, but the Lakers get it done. They go up 2-0 in the NBA Finals. Feels really good to say by beating the Miami Heat 124-114. to Monster, monster performance from Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And yeah, like I said, weird game. We're going to dive into it here in just a second. But as always, guys, we are doing this live on twitch.tv slash Lakers Outsiders up on YouTube as well and up on Facebook. So make sure to like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube and be be sure to ring that bell. So you set those notifications that uh, when we go live, you'll know about it and you can join us in the chat, send us questions, all that stuff. And uh Follow us on, on twitch.tv slash Lakers Outsiders. Those follows really, really help us, and we're getting to a point now that it really, really helps us. So uh, we really, really appreciate that stuff. Um, yeah, let's dive on into this game, honey. What were your kind of your initial takeaways? Obviously, Miami was very shorthanded in this game. No Goran Dragic, no Bam Adebayo. Uh, Jimmy Butler did play, even though he hurt his ankle in game one. And this this Heat team's pretty scrappy, man. They They battled. But you could just tell the Lakers were, were just kind of too much for them. Yeah, uh, definitely. The, the Heat are a team that uh, is always going to try to outwork you. Um, and where they have talent deficiencies, they're going to make up for it by just working so much harder than the other team. Um, I think they really did do that for long stretches of this game. I don't think the Lakers, in terms of effort and energy, were really at their peak. Um, but this was a game where you could just tell the talent difference was way too much. Um, and that the Heat were really missing two of their three best players for sure. Um, and, you know, conversely, it, it looked like the Lakers had really figured out how to play against uh, Miami, especially on the offensive end. I think they were basically just unstoppable. Um, the Heat tried to throw that zone at them that they didn't really use as much in game one, um, and, and they came back to it in game two and used it. felt like <laughs> almost every possession. felt like I was watching Syracuse play. Um, Shout out but, Magazine. <laughs> Zone Coward. defenses are for cowards. <laughs> um, but but the Lakers, man, like uh, they had that figured out to a T, and it didn't really matter who they put into the middle of that zone. It was LeBron for stretches. It was Anthony Davis for stretches. Rondo did it. Uh, Alex Russo even got a couple possessions playing that role. And basically, no matter who was doing it, they were getting great shots. And despite you know not hitting their threes as, as much as they did in. Uh, game one and KCP and Danny Green really struggling from three tonight. They were still able to just score basically at will because they were uh, getting so many opportunities at the rim where the Miami just doesn't have a rim protector without uh, Adebayo out there. 
and they were uh, getting a ton of second chance points because that's kind of what you give up in a zone uh, defense. And Anthony Davis was just destroying them down low because of that. The <clears throat> funny thing about this game, I don't think the Lakers played overly well. I thought they yeah. did for offensively. I thought they played well for three quarters. Um, but they didn't really hit their ceiling in this game, even offensively. I thought that they missed a lot of wide open looks with guys that you can typically count on to hit some of those open looks. Now, however you feel about Danny Green, he was one of eight in this game. He had a lot of wide open looks that even if he's three of eight, you know, that's another six points or four of eight. That's another nine points. KCP was two of 11 from the three point line. The Lakers shot okay from the three-point line it wasn't great they were 34 percent, but they shot 47 threes which was crazy i never expected this team to set an nba finals record for three-point attempts but they did it uh that basically shout out to the houston rockets in this game because they they took a lot of threes i mean a lot of them were wide open so i can't really blame them they basically the lakers had a ton of open looks and in the fourth quarter it felt like they just started to miss the open looks um, but, but luckily, I don't think Miami ever got closer than nine. They they got got it to nine. I think it was like 191. I, I do remember that. But when the Lakers, third quarter, neither team wanted to get stops at all. It was 39 to 35 in favor of Miami in that third quarter and then 21 apiece in the fourth quarter because the Lakers, luckily, once they stopped making shots, they started to get stops. And they stopped giving up straight line drives to the basket Um Stay stop. I, I didn't think that they fouled as much in the fourth quarter. That was kind of yeah. an issue in this game. They just put put Miami on the on the free throw line way too much in this game. Yeah. It's a shame that Miami shot twice as many free throws in this game, considering the series is rigged for the Lakers. <laughs> I it's I'm, I'm trying to like put that math together in my head, and it's just not working. Maybe since you're a math genius, you can solve that one for me. But but no, I mean I I credit Miami man because. They, I thought they played very well. I mean, you look at the, the box score, given their limitations personnel-wise. Without Bam, they're incredibly thin uh, in their front court. Myers Leonard only played nine minutes tonight. Kind of got the JaVale McGee-type treatment where he starts the game but doesn't play a whole lot. Uh, yeah. Olenek played 37 minutes. I thought he was actually pretty solid on the offensive end. He drew a lot of fouls, but he had 24 points, had 9 of 16 shots, hit three threes. And uh, he had, he nine, had a, nine boards as well. He tried an all-time heat check three, pun intended. That was just hilarious. In transition, like, without his feet set from 30 feet out, it was it was the greatest play of the game. I respect it. I respect <laughs> it. Not a fan of Kelly Olenek, but I respect that. To me, I, I still picture him in, in a Celtics jersey for, like, forever. So, um, But, no, I mean, the, the Heat were forced to go deeper into their bench than they normally do, obviously, without – Two of their starters, two of their really two of their three best players, I would say, um, out of this game. And I mean, they got some contributions. Like I said, Olenek, twenty-four points off the bench. Uh, Kendrick Nunn had another solid game, I and mean, he had thirteen points. He played pretty well in game one in garbage time, which I didn't think think much of, but he still had some moments in this game. Uh, Jimmy Butler, um, and I, this is this is not a Heat podcast, but I'm I'm kind of gushing over the heat a little bit. I just want to give these guys credit, man, because as shorthanded as they were, I thought the Lakers should have handled this game a lot more than they did. It kind of felt like they were coasting a little bit in the second half, just kind of like, ah, we'll play defense when we need to, but right now we're scoring every time down. And then in the fourth quarter, they stopped giving up 
layups at the at the rim made Miami shoot contested jumpers, and you saw the result. But I didn't expect Jimmy Butler to uh, reach into his bag and pull out 13 assists. You know, yeah. I <clears throat> I know he, he has some playmaking chops. I didn't think he could go that far into it where he had 25, 13, and 8. I mean, he was – even though he was 7 to 17 from the floor tonight, I think his – his ability to facilitate offense really kind of gave them a boost where they were missing Goran Dragic. Yeah, absolutely. Jimmy was incredible. Uh, I think I think the most insane stat uh, out of his uh, you know his stat line was that he played 44 minutes on an ankle that that he hurt in game one, uh, and and definitely seemed to be really hobbled by in game one. Um, but he looked a whole lot better in this game, and, and um, he is legitimate. Like I don't I don't think he's. Uh, he gets credit as kind of like that tier one superstar kind of guy. And he probably isn't for the most part. There are games where he's, you know, he, he kind of gets taken out of games um, and he's probably not as complete of a player as some guys, but that dude is a gamer, like mm. big moments. That guy is always coming out to play. And um, I have, I, he's one of my favorite players in the league uh, outside of the Lakers. And, and he's really kind of showing up um, in the finals and, and kind of proving that uh, consistently again. Since Lakers exceptionalism is fully back, I'm just saying Miami should trade him to the Lakers for like a second round pick and Jared Dudley. Yeah. No disrespect well, to Jared Dudley. I'd be sad to see you go, but you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> maybe we can get uh, Adam Silver to make some calls about the CBA. Don't have to give out salaries. Just second round pick for Jimmy and that's it. Oh, we'll just buy him a house like in an offshore account and because uh, that's apparently legal now. So, But that's a discussion for another day. No, I mean, Jimmy was was fantastic in this game. Really, I, mean, I, th- I thought Miami played really, really well. I really did. But I don't know. Based off of some conversations that I've seen on Twitter, I guess how – I mean, should Lakers fans be worried at all that without those two guys that they were missing, the Lakers still, you know, I don't want to say struggled, but also probably didn't win this game as convincingly as they probably should have. Should Lakers fans be a little concerned by that, given that we don't know that Bam and Dragic are for sure going to be out the next game or the rest of the series? I think there's always going to be concern just because this is a really, really good team missing a couple of, you know, star level players or close to star level players, um, depending on how you feel about Dragic. But my my concern isn't necessarily in how they played today. Uh, Obviously, they, you know, defensively, they were just not good, you know, for for most of the for most of the game. And that's where they hang their hat and and where they um, usually win games. And, you know, LeBron and AD and, and Vogel all talked about this after the game of not being satisfied with that performance and wanting to watch the film and whatnot, um, which is all well and good. But I don't I don't necessarily take this game as, oh, man, if if uh, Bam was playing and Dragic was playing, that Miami would have won because the game was, you know, closer than we expected. Because I think it, you know, it kind of reminds me of um, game three against the Nuggets uh, where Denver beats the Lakers and everybody's like, oh, this could have easily been a 2-1 series lead for the Nuggets if Anthony Davis's shot doesn't go in in game two. And I always kind of rejected that notion because I don't think the Lakers would have played as awful, awfully in game three if they if it was a tied series. Mm-hmm. I don't think they would have come out with that sort of same energy. And I feel the same way today. I, I feel like they would have played a much better defensive game, um, and especially from an effort and energy standpoint and you know, not losing their focus and not losing a guy like Duncan Robinson and fouling him 
behind the three-point line or AD getting uh, blown by <laughs> Kelly Olenek because he didn't close out uh, well enough. Like, I don't think those ish- those uh, mistakes would be happening as frequently if they had lost game one or if Bam and Dragic were playing in, in game two. Obviously, as fans, we kind of like, we want them to always be clicking 100%, be playing hard because, you know, that's kind of what we expect. But um, I, I guess it's human nature that, that they're going to have quote-unquote letdowns and still control this game for literally the entire game and be up double digits pretty much the entire game and win. Yeah, I mean, I thought I had pretty realistic expectations for this game. I only expected the Lakers to score about 210 points. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, it feels like they still could have scored a lot more in this game given how many wide-open looks they just missed. Like, that's the crazy thing about this, and I I get it, like, if if you're a Lakers fan and you are mildly concerned that, hey, if Drogic and Bam are able to come back and, you know, be relatively 100% or close, something close to 100% um, and just play through the pain, then, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough for sure. I, I think it's Miami is going to be tough regardless because this that's just how this team is wired. It's in their DNA. It's what their coach – it's how they're coached. I mean, Spolstra is a hell of a coach, and you knew he was going to make some adjustments even though <laughs> – very few adjustments I thought were kind of there for them to make. And tonight it just seemed like they were basically forced to try and outscore the Lakers because uh, they played zone a lot tonight compared to game one where it was just kind of in moments. And yeah. this game it was just like we're going to just kind of be okay with allowing open jump shots. And if they go in, they go in. And, I mean, looking at like the, the field goal percentage in this game, Miami shot 50-40-90 as a team. Yeah. You know, 50.7 overall from the field, 40.7% from the three-point line on 27 shots. And they got to the free throw line a bunch, man, They and they hit them. They were 31 of 34 from the free throw line, so 31 of their 114 points were, you know, be due in large part to the Lakers just giving up line drives to the basket and either not helping or, you know, just being undisciplined and, and committing – too many mistakes, which credit Miami for for putting pressure on the Lakers' defense and forcing them into those situations. But there's a lot of things I think that the Lakers could have done better in this game, and they still controlled it pretty much the entire way. Yeah. And I don't think I mean I still I wouldn't count on KCP going two of eleven from the three point line again. He's been pretty solid there, but other guys stepped up. I mean, you look at Morris had was two of five from the three-point line. Kuzma, two of six. Rondo is three of four. Somehow he's Steph Curry, like, reincarnated. Uh, Alex Crusoe is two of four from the three-point line. LeBron had three threes. It's, yeah, I, I'm i not overly concerned, and, and Jacob and I have talked about this a couple times, that beating this Lakers team four out of seven times, barring any injuries, is an incredibly difficult task. Now you're asking a banged up Miami team to do it four out of five times. I have a hard time seeing that happen. Not saying that it's impossible because anything, mm-hmm. anything can really happen in, in the NBA playoffs as the Clippers found out when they blew a three, one lead to the nuggets. People forget that <laughs> people forget that it's important to remind people of that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I like where this, this series is going. I, t- this Lakers team has had kind of a habit throughout most of the year where it's they have this switch that they when they need to they flip it on the intensity ramps up and they get it done especially defensively that's kind of where the switch I think really 
uh, right. comes into play because their defense a lot of times feeds directly into their offense. And, I mean, the second and third quarter, Miami scores 31 and then 39. I think they were like 12 of 18 from the field in the third quarter and hit a ton of hit a ton of uh, free throws in that quarter too. So the Lakers, <clears throat> I think I've said this a couple of times now, they could have played so much better in this game. Like I, I thought it was a B minus game from them, and they still scored 124 points and controlled it most of the way. So not overly yeah. worried if the Heat get their guys back. It's definitely going to be a lot tougher, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Heat won game three if they do get their guys back. But I also wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers, who have been in the bubble for, what, almost three months now, mm-hmm. see this opportunity to say, hey, we go out and win two more games. We get the hell out of here with the Larry O'Brien trophy, and we get to go home and, and see all of our, our family and everything. Yeah, what's a bigger uh, motivator, the trophy or getting the hell out of Orlando? <laughs> uh, I mean, if you're Lou Williams, probably getting out of Orlando. But <laughs> All right. Well done. <laughs> it's 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 important to remind people of these things, man. Yeah, except for Daniel House, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean he he didn't have to leave Orlando apparently, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, so yeah, I like I said, it was kind of a weird game. Like I don't know, the the Lakers just felt like they were coasting a, a, a yeah. large portion of it, and because probably because they knew they could afford to, because Kelly Olynyk is playing thirty seven minutes. <laughs> And Kendrick Nunn is playing 29 minutes. And, you know, it's just it's just one of those things that naturally I think when – what is it? It's the, the Ewing theory, right? Yeah. That uh, when you lose <clears> – I mean, it doesn't necessarily apply to this, but, like, when you lose your star player, your team plays b- better because the other team kind of has a letdown in, in focus and, and energy and effort. I think at times yeah. that kind of happened to the Lakers today because they understood the situation. But they – Still did enough to, I don't know. It, it felt weird because it's an NBA Finals game, and I didn't feel nervous really at any point of this game, which is nah. really weird to say. Me neither. Considering I was like dead nervous before Game One, mm-hmm. which was a feeling that I hadn't had in a while in the playoffs because of how the other series had gone. But I was very, very nervous just because it's, it's been ten years since we've been in the finals, and it was insane. And the way that they played, and obviously the Heat's injuries also uh, play a part in this, but, man, I, no, not a single single nerve <laughs> this entire second game. Even, even when the Heat cut it, cut it to nine and I'm like, all right, let's, let's settle down and, and not mess up, I, I still felt entirely comfortable that they're going to win. Um, and, I, and I tweeted this out too. LeBron made a floater at some point in the second half, and I'm like, all right, we're winning this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like I said, it just had a weird feel to it, but ultimately I just never my confidence never really wavered in this team. Now, if Miami would have gotten within like 3 or 4, then it's like, okay, now we're really playing yeah. with fire, but like never got within 9. The Lakers whenever they needed to get a stop, they went and got one. Whenever they needed a bucket, they went and got one. So, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they get they get the win. I don't care how, if it's by 1 or 100 against third stringers or the dream team, a win's yeah. a win, and they're up 2-0. They're two wins from capturing championship number 17, and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. So not going to worry too much about it. You know, the game is the game. It is what it is, and they, they did what they had to do. So, And I've, it's hard not to feel confident 
when you have Anthony Davis and LeBron James on your team, but especially Anthony Davis, the way he's played in these first two games and in this game, I don't remember what exactly he started. I think he was like 12 of 13, 13 of 14, something, 13 or 14. Yeah. something crazy where he had only missed one shot and he was just unbelievable in this game. Unbelievable. Yeah. He was 32 points, 14 boards. He's still playing pretty solid defense in this game, although this was probably far from his best defensive game ever. Just an absolute terror on offense. And we kind of <clears> – <throat> Jacob and I kind of talked about this. Without Bam, we just kind of figured he was going to absolutely feast on this small Miami team that has a thin front court. And that's what we saw today. I mean, he was just – and he was doing it all. I mean, he's hitting jumpers. He's getting offensive rebounds. He's getting inside, finishing around the basket. This guy, man, to me – Maybe it's a hot take. Maybe it's recency bias. To me, he's moved up a few spots in like my top NBA players in the world ranking, yeah. and like I don't feel it's outlandish to have him like top two at this point. He's just unbelievable. Yeah, we were actually discussing this. Uh, I was watching with some friends, and we were talking about like where do you rank AD? Because I think it's so hard to place some. Um, among among the top tier of NBA players because he's not really a a, a clear number one on his team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think LeBron is still the number one, although sometimes it's a 1A, 1B situation. Um, so it's, it's really hard to say, well, he's better than X, Y, and Z player who has, I guess, a little bit more of a, a offensive, especially, uh, responsibility. Um, but, man, the things this dude does, nobody in the league does like him. Like, he has this incredible instinct um it's such a like weird thing that i was enamored by this entire game of just like see seeing the ball travel through the air and knowing where it's gonna hit the rim where it's gonna jump off of the rim and being able to adjust his run from three-point line to the to the rim to get that offensive rebound and then finish uh in the same motion over three dudes trying to grab him uh, and prevent him from getting an offensive rebound like that stuff is just uh, his. Um, I think it's the the combination of him being such a skillful big, uh, like the Paul Gasol kind of kind of big. That's uh, you know doing it with some passing, shooting, and and stuff like that. But also just having that sort of like tenacity and strength down low. That I think not a lot of dudes in the NBA have that. Like he is, he's a unicorn in the three point shooting and 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 shot blocking sort of sense of the word, but he's also a unicorn in how he can score of just doing it at literally every level of the court. And it's, it's unbelievable to watch this in his first NBA finals. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he was uh third, I think for, for in terms of uh, most, most points scored in first two, uh, first two finals games as a Laker behind Kareem and Shaq. Uh, yeah. I think he had 66. He had 34 in game one and 32 in this game. I mean, that's, the the most elite of the elite like company to be in you're talking about yeah. two of the most dominant players ever and anthony davis is right there with him yeah i mean when he's not turning the ball over out of double teams and he's passing the ball well out of those double teams which he only had one assist today but he had five assists in the first game i just i don't even think there's a weakness in this guy's game when he's able to do that and that's something he has improved on from the start of the year because he really it was it was a noticeable flaw in his game that if you double him he's he's probably going to struggle unless he has something just right in front of him that's an easy you know easy read for him to make. Mm-hmm. 
he's just such a complete player. And I was talking earlier today uh, with Pete Zayas, Laker film room, in a group chat. And he just said, Anthony Davis is one of those guys that is just like, has been dusted by the basketball gods. Like just, it's so incredibly rare to see a talent like him with his size, his mobility, his athleticism and his overall skill. It's, and his instincts too. Like his, I don't think he gets enough credit for like his basketball IQ because like you said, I mean, basketball IQ can come in so many different ways. Like, obviously, people look at LeBron and, and Rondo and be like, oh, the Lakers have two incredibly high IQ players. Davis has that sort of identity and that that intel- that basketball intelligence when it comes to defense, rebounding, you know, those, those types of things. And it, it just manifests itself in such a beautiful way for the Lakers. And all I could think of during this game was – should we call the Pelicans and ask if they want anything else? Because we did not give them nearly enough in that trade. Honestly, I said the same thing. I was like, we got to call them up tonight and say, you could have all of our picks for the next decade. We don't need them. We got Anthony Davis. We don't, we don't need draft picks. Hey, remember, man, some, some people said the Lakers traded away their future. No, they traded for their future. This guy is unbelievable, bona fide top five player. To me, like he's he's moved ahead of – Guys like Harden, who I think most yeah. people had ahead of him going into this year at least. And, mm-hmm. I mean, he's right there in that discussion with LeBron and Giannis and and Kawhi. I mean, he might be ahead of Kawhi. I, I don't know. It depends on what you, what you prefer. But this guy is the best of the best, absolutely yeah. 100%. And the Lakers are very, very blessed to have him. And we're very blessed to get to watch him and, and talk about his basketball performances because he is just a true gem. So, um not to mention when you have AD playing that well, and then oh you have LeBron over there with a, just a ho hum quiet thirty three nine and nine on fourteen of twenty five shooting. It's just, I think the Lakers. Uh, I think well, I was watching Sports Center a little bit after the game. The Lakers are now twenty and one, I believe, when those two combined for sixty plus points. Yeah. I don't know the one who the one loss was off the top of my head, but. I think it might have been the Clippers, but I'm not positive on that. You mean the team that blew a 3-1 lead to the Denver Nuggets? The very same. Okay, cool. Just wanted to make sure. (laughs) But 65 points combined in this game. They combined for 23 rebounds. I mean, when when these two guys have it going like that, to me, they're damn near like 99.9% unbeatable. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's just such a... Uh, such a asset and privilege for the Lakers that they get to have these two guys that play so well together. Dwayne Wade today during the game uh, said that he agreed. I think it was with Kendrick Perkins. I don't remember who saying that. AD of all, is, of all is, people. Yeah. <laughs> heartbreaking. Worst person, you know, just made a great point. Uh, agreeing that the AD is a, is a better fit with LeBron than even Dwayne Wade was. And that's such an incredible thing to hear. Like, as much as we love AD and, and how great he is, that, the LeBron and Wade duo went to four straight finals, won two championships. They were incredible together. But, yeah, I, I think there is a very strong case to be made that this is a, a better duo, a better fitting duo, and a better performing one. Um, their first year together being able to mesh so well that, you know, one guy doesn't have it one night, the other guy has it, um, or both of them have it. And then the other team has no answers because you can really, 
they're, they're so interchangeable. You can go through each one offensively. Uh, both of them can make incredible plays defensively. They can get on each other. They can call each other out when they're making mistakes like LeBron did late in this game when, you know, the game was pretty much over and, and AD has a bad closeout and Kelly Olenek drives past him and, and LeBron has to foul him. And first thing LeBron does is turn to AD and just say, what the hell are you doing? And then he goes and complains to the ref about the foul that was caught on him. Um, and, and, you know, being able to have that sort of uh, mindset between the two of them um, obviously it's, it's more about how they play on the court, but it's just, uh, it's really cool to me to watch these guys kind of, uh, be such great leaders, um, first and foremost, and then be able to, to really, um, put that to the best use, um, on the court and, and really getting the best out of each other and of, of their teammates. Yeah. I mean, people, I think a lot of people forget when Anthony Davis first became a Laker, they were asking, I think somebody asked him about, LeBron's defense like are you going to hold him accountable for his defense and he said like hell yeah and basically his his answer was I'm going to hold him accountable and I expect him to do the same to me and that's to me I I always think about Kobe when it comes to accountability because Kobe had no issue being the bad guy and saying like hey you need to do this better this is you know like Kobe was such a straight shooter until you how it was no matter how much he had to come off as the bad guy but he also respected when guys did that back to him i think that's why he respected Derek fisher so much because fisher would tell him like straight up like hey like you're this is not what you need to be doing right now like this you got to change this and kobe always respected i think kobe always respected maybe not always but more times than not respected guys that would go right back at him in, in, I think that's why he, that, that's why he loved bringing in the guys that he always uh, fought against in other games, like right. the the relationship he had with Ron Artest, Matt Barnes, those kind of guys. I think he always respected them going at him as an opponent, and then they would do the same thing when they were teammates. Yeah, no, and and it's kind of a similar thing where I think these guys obviously have like a like a bromance off the court, like they've become like such close friends in such a short amount of time. But they also will hold each other accountable, and and you can just see it on the court. Like when there's a breakdown, you know they'll they'll hash it out, and they usually correct the issue. And that's why they won as many games as they have this year. They have not lost very many games, and that's why they're fourteen and three in the playoffs right now. And going through the Western Conference, I as as much faith that as I've had in this team, as much confidence as I've had in this team. If you'd have told me they'd be in the NBA Finals up 2-0 because they're 14 and three in the playoffs, I uh, I would have thought eh, that's a little bit of a stretch. I think they're going to probably lose a couple more games and have because the West is tough. The West is always yeah. tough, and they've just steamrolled through everybody in the, in, the, in the playoffs, and it's just absolutely crazy. But that's that's a testament to the, their leadership and their stars holding each other accountable, but also just playing at an incredibly high level on a nightly basis and tonight we saw exactly that i mean they were by far the best two players on the court even though jimmy butler was really good he was still just outclassed by anthony davis and lebron james and that's just a testament to how good those guys are and lebron especially just continues to impress me man 35 years old and he just it seems like his prime is just never going to end which is just crazy crazy to say but um when when those two play like that, they're basically like Thanos w- gathering all the uh, Infinity <laughs> Stones. Like it's just an unstoppable force. 
Especially so, when one of those Infinity Stones is playoff Rondo. Playing, that's exactly <laughs> what I was about to say. <laughs> playing the way he is. Let's, let's talk about Rondo. I, I wanted to talk about him because we, we've man gone over this countless times throughout the year that everybody always asks, who's, who's going to be the Lakers' third guy? Who, who is it? You know, is it going to be Danny Green? Is it going to be KCP? Kuzma? doesn't matter. It feels like there's a new guy every game, and that's totally fine because yeah. their two stars are that freaking good. Which, by the way, how the hell did the NBA allow Anthony Davis and LeBron James to team up? Like, did you guys really allow that to happen and then think, like, bad things weren't going to happen to you? Or This was the uh, – the, the Chris Paul trade was the wrong one to veto by the NBA, I think. Yeah, probably. They, 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 yeah. Should, they should have used their one veto on this one. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad they didn't, but <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great when Chris Paul joins this team later on. So – Oh, buddy. <laughs> but for now, we uh, apparently have one of the greatest point guards in NBA history and playoff, Rajon Rondo. 16 <laughs> points, 10 assists. Another guy, Jacob and I talked about Miami zone a couple times on the last two podcasts and how AD and LeBron are just maybe the two best guys in the league to dissect a zone defense and get in the middle of that and just pick it apart with their, their IQ and their passing. Rondo's another one of those guys that, as frustrating as he is in the regular season because of the lack of defensive effort, the poor floor spacing that comes with him, hes you can just see it. You see him directing guys, telling them where to go, where to be, and he just knows how to, to tear apart that zone defense. And he was a big reason why, I mean, he had three of four from the three-point line in this game. He was five of nine overall. But 10 assists, getting that off the bench – is is super impressive and today was one of one of the, definitely one of those playoff rondo games and it was a, a big reason why the lakers controlled this thing pretty much throughout yeah. uh, the entire game yeah absolutely I, I i love watching rondo when he's so aggressive and makes quick decisions he, he's obviously such a a smart player that he loves kind of holding on to the ball and, and directing where for for everybody where to go and uh, because he kind of sees the, the I don't want to say chess pieces, the, the connect four pieces uh, coming together. But but uh, when he has those games where he's kind of making those decisions really quick and on the fly, I love it so much more because he, he doesn't let teams uh, take away things from him. Because if, if you're holding on to the ball, yeah, they're going to sag off of him and then he's not really comfortable uh, taking a jumper or whatever. But if you're making that quick decision and you're making them think, okay, Rondo has the ball. Do I close out or do I not close out? Or do I do this or not? And whether he's taking a shot, you know, it was three or four from three today. And he, those wing three-pointers are just, can't believe I'm saying this, they're automatic for, for Rajon Rondo. Um, but yeah, whether he's doing that or he's attacking a closeout or getting to the middle of the zone and, and making quick passes out to the corners or uh, making quick passes to AD at the rim or, or throwing a lob for LeBron or whatever, uh, those quick decisions are just uh, they they put the other team in, in such a tough spot and man Miami did not have an answer for Rajon Rondo today and he like getting 16 and 10 off the bench is incredible for anybody but for somebody that we basically counted out all year because of uh, of his regular season play for him to come into these playoffs and just consistently put in such great performances <laughs> is unbelievable and i we will do what nba twitter cannot do and, and eat a whole lot of crow on on how we talked about rondo all year because this dude shut us up real quick in the playoffs the lakers are two wins away from me having to buy a rajon rondo jersey 
as part of an earlier bet on this podcast, and I will hap- that'll be happy money uh, <laughs> to spend. I may or may not have one point in the second half said, let's get the ball to our best three-point shooter, Rajon Rondo, <laughs> because he was just, he, he, I mean, he was drilling them. He's been drilling them all playoffs, and it's just crazy to, to say that because teams are going to continue to say, <laughs> eventually you, you got to regress to the mean a little bit, and they're going to, if they're going to keep letting him shoot and he's going to keep hitting them. I mean, if Rondo is consistently hitting threes, good luck. Just, yeah. I, I, I don't know how you beat him. But one thing I, I, I've noticed, I mean, throughout the season, I guess, but especially in this game, his lob passes, man, are consistently on mm-hmm. point. Like, yeah. one of the best lob passers I've ever seen. Which yeah. seems like almost kind of silly to say because it's like one type of pass, but we saw Alex Crusoe trying to throw a lob <laughs> to LeBron in this game, and that thing would have landed in the fourth row if there were courtside seats. That was hilarious. That was that was our version of Kelly Olynyk's heat check three was Alex Crusoe's heat check lob to LeBron, like <laughs> fifty feet up in the air. <laughs> that was one of those that like LeBron didn't even like shouldn't even try to jump. You just like watch it go over your head, but. <laughs> I mean, it just goes to show that, like, throwing lobs, even though these guys are world-class athletes, may not always be super easy. And he had just a number in this – Rondo did – had a number in this game where they're just perfectly placed. And it's it's such a good skill to have with a team like this, the way the Lakers are constructed with so many Mm – so much size, so much athleticism. And he just puts the ball right on the money, and all these guys got to do is catch it and, and throw it down. And it's it's an underrated skill to have, especially with a team that is that is built like this. Because yeah. you know LeBron, I mean LeBron had that quote earlier in the playoffs that the Lakers are built different. They are quite literally built different <laughs> than a lot of these teams because we're we're right like in the the heart of the small ball era, right? And yeah. I think we're see, kind of seeing it with this this series, and we saw it a lot with the Rockets series that. You just can't – it's so difficult to play small against this Lakers team because the Lakers version of small ball has Anthony Davis at the five and LeBron or Markeith Morris at the four or Kuzma at the four. Like the Lakers don't even go small. They, they're they mm-hmm. fast but still big and athletic. And I think what we've seen in these first two games is just not even – I don't think Miami's really struggling from a schematic standpoint – I just think they're struggling from a personnel standpoint because it's so hard to match up with this Lakers team. We saw it in the first round with Portland, who played two traditional bigs with Nurkic, who could space the floor, and Whiteside, who thinks he can space the floor, but (laughs) you want him to try. But uh, Whiteside is a good defender and a good rim protector. And so like Portland can kind of space you out because they they shoot a lot of threes, but they also have two bigs. Didn't matter. Then you play the Rockets, who play five smalls, basically. Five guards and wings. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter. And then you get the Nuggets, who have a, a big man that's very uniquely talented in, in Jokic. And, you know, a, an athletic backup in Plumlee, even though, you know, as limited as his skill set is. They just faced every type of challenge from a personnel standpoint in this playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And they haven't struggled, like, at all. It's, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, both both I think offensively and what you're talking about, and even defensively playing, you know, 
uh, small, quick guards that that are uh, hitting threes all over you, or playing a big wing like Jimmy, um, or or like a hybrid of the two in James Harden. Um, you're right; it just hasn't mattered. They've been able to uh, figure it out both because their their personnel is talented enough and unique enough that uh, and versatile enough, and because frankly the coaching staff has really put them in in great situations all, all playoffs long. They've made the right adjustments. Uh, sometimes it might have taken a little bit longer than others, but in general, they've always had a great game plan to follow and been able to, you know, kind of uh, mess around with the margins of that game plan to to really um, uh, get the team to to basically the the perfect uh, uh, playoff run that they could expect. Um, and, and I think everybody, really, from the top of the organization to the bottom, deserves a lot of credit for this because you don't you don't get uh what is it 14 and three uh playoff runs without everybody basically doing their part and everybody has done their part yeah absolutely i mean people laughed a lot of people laughed at the the makeup of this roster outside of lebron and ad and you know i had some some minor concerns you know with uh maybe like some of the wing depth uh some of the playmaking because i was like outside of lebron and rondo you might not have a ton of like consistent playmakers, but this team has just answered every question throughout the season. They won a ton of games in the regular season. They're winning the vast majority in the playoffs. And, you know, I don't want to hear anything about an easy path because they're the team that beat the Clippers, you know, the favorite out West, maybe the favorite to win it all. The Lakers beat that team in five. The team that beat the Bucks, granted, they're banged up. And they're not healthy, but the Lakers destroyed them in game one, and they were healthy going into that game. Mm-hmm. And by the time Dragic and uh, Bam both left, the Lakers were in firm control of that game. That's It's just unbelievable. And we've tried to tell people all year long that, hey, this team is actually pretty good. And one of the criticisms that the Lakers have gotten over the last couple of years is like, you know, they're always going after these star players, but they're not winning on the margins. And yeah. You look at the makeup of this roster. Rondo didn't have a great regular season, but he's stepped up time and time again in the playoffs. Alex Caruso, a guy most people didn't even know about, Lakers fans knew about because of his journey working his way up, has mm-hmm. been an excellent playoff performer. and I mean, just a good performer all year, and we've been pounding the table for him to get minutes. And it's translating into, into the playoffs. Markeith Morris coming in and, you know, the Lakers, what, get him on the, the buyout market uh, yeah. after the trade deadline. And he's come in and filled his role perfectly and, and done basically everything and more that you could ask from him. And, yeah, I mean, they, they've won on the margins. And when you do that and you combine that with LeBron and Anthony Davis, you're going to have a really damn good basketball team. And assuming they can finish this thing off and win two more games – I don't know. Maybe maybe it's my bias showing, but like it's. I think it's time to recognize this team as a great team, not a really good one, but a great yeah. one because they all they've answered all the questions about them. Earlier in the year, people thought they could only beat bad teams. They they aren't beating good teams, and now they're steamrolling through the playoffs too. I mean, yeah. I don't know what else this team can really do at this point. I, I don't really recall seeing a team have so many players as many players as the lakers this year that have just completely exceeded the expectations that really both fans of the team and and neutrals and and people that don't like the team out of them and it's kind of top down i mean like 
you know, uh, we make fun of LeBron's Wash King thing a little bit, but there were people kind of doubting that he would be able to put this sort of performance and be second place in MVP voting and have a real case, a real case for MVP, um, as I see it. Or, you know, people doubted that Anthony Davis would be able to be uh, this type of player in the playoffs and not just be another uh, stretch break for LeBron. People doubted that Dwight Howard could, you know, do anything <laughs> once he was brought in. People doubted that Danny Green would, would ha- still be able to play good team defense. And obviously, I know, Lakers fans dislike the three-point shooting, but I think he's been a, a pretty crucial part of this playoff run. Mm-hmm. KCP, Rondo, Caruso, Morris. I would even venture to say Kuzma in a different sense. Maybe he hasn't been the scorer that people expected, but the way he has improved his his defense and, and some of the other marginal stuff, I think, has been incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and Frank Vogel, like <laughs> he was the team's third choice for for head coach. People were not very excited about that hire, and, and he's just been incredible all season and definitely all postseason. Um, I don't really remember a team like this that that had so many questions uh, on basically every single player up and down the roster, and all of them have been answered in in such a positive manner. People were were saying, you know, meme team two point right with yeah. with Dwight and JaVale and Rondo. And then, I mean, obviously, if they would have signed Waiters and J.R. Smith at the start of the year, people would have really been screaming that. But, like, Dwight Howard, I think, is a perfect example of the Lakers rebuilding a championship-style culture and demanding excellence and a commitment to winning. Whereas Dwight Howard has been a headache the last – since, what, 2012, since the Lakers traded for him. And maybe yeah. even before that, in his last year or two with Orlando. I, I honestly can't remember. But that guy has said just about all the right things. He's been, you know, focused all year on, I just got to do my job, help this team win games, and win a championship, and that's all that matters. And he's one of the guys that, you know, seeing this turnaround, and a lot of Laker fans hated the signing at the time. A lot, a yeah. lot did. And... It would make me really, really happy to see Dwight finally get a championship, especially as a member of the Lakers, considering it's kind of the original vision we had when the Lakers mm-hmm. traded for him is this guy's going to lead us to, to championships and be like the next great Laker big. Obviously, it didn't pan out that way, but he's been a major contributor on a team that is very close to winning a championship and to me would just be a really cool story. But I don't know. We've kind of steered away from this game specifically, but... It's just this team continues to impress me time and time again, and it's why they're in the position that they are. And uh, it's, I don't know, maybe they got to get two more wins for people to recognize it, but I'm sure everybody will say that the series was rigged or easy path or blah, 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 Hollywood. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I I think that at this point we should be preparing for that. And, um Honestly, my, my, my one piece of advice to everybody is to just say who gives a bleep um, and, and just enjoy it, man. We're, we're two games away from winning a championship and all likelihood and knock on wood, hopefully I'm not jinxing anything in all likelihood, we will be winning a championship. Um, and, you know, between uh, everything that's happened this year and, and such a hard time that it's been for so many people and especially for Lakers fans, um, because of uh, Kobe and, and, and all these other issues, um, man, just just enjoy it. Who, who gives a fuck how they won the championship? They're winning the championship. Who cares? Earmuffs, kids. Earmuffs. <laughs> Rated R, honey, has entered the chat. 
I'm sweating again. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before we jump into some viewer comments and questions, uh, what are we expecting in game three from, I guess, the Miami Heat side of things? Obviously, the big question mark is, are they going to have Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo playing? If you're the Lakers, I think you kind of have to assume that those guys are going to play um, yeah. just because that's going to be the better version to prepare for. But what are yeah. kind of uh, what are some things you're expecting in that game? I'll just add that uh, Chris Haynes, while we were on here, just did tweet out that Bam said he's going to play in game three. So we'll see if that happens. But it sounds like he's going to try to go. Yeah. Um, and obviously, it's, it's just such a different different team to play if Bam is going. I think he's even more important than Dragic um, in that both their offense really goes through him, uh, sort of the same way that the, the Nuggets offense went through Jokic in terms of his playmaking, those dribble handoffs that the Lakers really had some issues guarding in, in the first quarter in game one, especially with Dwight out there. Um, and then defensively, you know, if he's if he's healthy enough, who knows how this is going to affect him. But it, it, it's hard to really come up with a better player to guard Anthony Davis, in my opinion. I, I think AD did a, a great job against him in game one. So maybe I'm wrong on that. But in, in terms of his length, his strength, his just defensive ability, his, his athleticism, it's hard to come up with a better uh, player, at least in terms of uh, the, the physical attributes to really defend Anthony Davis. So. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to see how the Lakers attack that, uh, especially on the offensive end. They had so much success um, in this game going against that zone. Uh, I don't know if the Heat are going to play the zone as often uh, in, in game two, considering how that happened um, and considering they'll have Bam to guard AD one-on-one. Um, but uh, defensively as well, I think they have so many things to clean up and, and being able to guard those dribble handoffs and pick and rolls with Bam is would be the number one thing if he does play. Um, and, and Dwight was is going to have to have a really great game defensively, uh, especially in, in the in the few minutes that he does play, because I think that's huge. Yeah, the Lakers need to be prepared for Miami's absolute best punch. Yeah. Um, because this it's desperation mode now for, for Miami. Like, everybody knows you go down 3-0 in a series – you're, you're toast. Like it's it's never never been done in the NBA to come back from that, and doing it on LeBron, a team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis on it, just I mean I probably have a better chance of winning the Powerball than that <laughs> happening. But just the Lakers just have to be ready. I think from the tip, they were up 2-0 against Denver and then came out very lethargic against mm-hmm. Denver in that game three and basically tried to get away with playing hard for six minutes in that game. Nearly did it, but lost that game, honestly deserved to lose that game based on their their effort and their performance. So I'm hoping that they kind of learn from that and say, hey, we got an opportunity to really put these guys on the ropes, go up 3-0 in the NBA Finals, and be on the doorstep of of winning this this title. So hopefully they come out with a killer mentality and they, they really try and deliver another haymaker and – just, just match the energy. Just match the energy because, like I said, Miami has been very resilient all year long, especially you know in these playoffs, even when teams have gone on big runs against them. And I feel like they've given up some some big runs in this playoff run, but they've still found ways to respond and win games. Yeah. And this team is extremely well coached. They're even though it's their first finals for just about all of them. Um, they, I don't know, man. They're not a team that's going to go away. They're kind of like Denver in that sense where you're going to have to put these guys away. If you expect them to roll over, you're, you're probably going to get punched in the mouth. So I would anticipate 
I, I kind of figured Bam would at least play. I would anticipate Dragic will at least try to give it a go because they probably understand what's on the line here. But the Lakers just got to be prepared. The, Dwight's got to be ready. I thought he was a lot better for the most part tonight when Miami attacked him. In game one, he was kind of getting lit up a little bit in, yeah. in pick-and-roll coverage. In this game, he was a lot better. And they just got to continue to win, do all the dirty work. You know, they've out-rebounded Miami in this series, and that's that's a big deal because it gave the Lakers a lot more shot attempts than, than Miami tonight. And mm-hmm. I think if they can kind of replicate some of that stuff and just have guys hit open shots. Hit open shots, defend the three. Don't let Miami hit a high volume of threes because the three-point line can be a great equalizer if you hit a lot of them. And don't put them on the free throw line. Yeah. Like, that's the big thing is defensively, they just got to be more sound. We saw it in game one. Didn't really see it that often tonight, and hopefully that issue just gets corrected because it, if when this team locks in defensively, I still think they're the best defensive team in the league, and they just absolutely shut teams down. So it's all about energy and effort. The Lakers match or outperform Miami from an energy and effort standpoint. I think they go up 3-0 and, and have a chance to, to close this thing out on Tuesday. So... We'll have to see. There's going to be a lot of adjustments made. Spolstra is not going to go away quietly. That guy is very, very smart basketball mind, and he's going to have this team ready. So Lakers got to be ready as well. Absolutely. All right. Let's dive into this chat. I don't know if – because I feel like I'm seeing more of the chat pop up on the stream, but not in my little like chat box that I get. I think you might have to be subscribed or follow for it to like stay – up for me to see. I'm not 100% sure on that. So uh, if you're trying to contribute to the chat and you haven't liked us on Facebook or followed us on Twitch or subscribed on YouTube, be sure to do that. That way I know for sure it's going to be in there and we'll get uh, get everybody's comments and questions answered. But let's dive on in. Uh, Bevers says, welcome back, Hani. Looking smart as always. Uh, I'm sure farther on down the, down the <laughs> chat, uh, there's going to be a comment about me looking like Carson Wentz and you sweating. <laughs> Uh, you're one for two on that, as I've, as I've been keeping track. Uh, okay, well, uh, I, yeah. also thank you. Feeling smart as always? Question mark. <laughs> Math genius always feels smart. Uh, let's see. We got asked how come NBA Twitter isn't freaking out about the free throw difference, unlike the Denver series. Well, that's because if it it only works unless it fits the narrative. It's like the underdog Lakers, right? Like I. <laughs> completely dismiss any notion that the Lakers are favorites in this series. I don't care if they're going up against the Heat's G League team by by the end of this. They're still the underdog Lakers, and I will only be accepting any any talk about the Lakers being at a disadvantage in this series. What was the stat today that, that spell uh, Eric Spolstra was something like 13-0 in Game 2's first career? Listen, man, this is a plucky underdog team beating the odds and, and beating an undefeated head coach in game twos uh, tonight. Just a marvelous performance. Another, another, just, it's a great Cinderella story. I mean, what, what can you say? So uh, Walt said that you are hashtag uh, heat culture. <laughs> That's why I'm sweating. It's, it's the heat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't disagree. Uh, Bever says sign up for virtual fans to see if you get confused by Wentz wearing Eagles hat. <laughs> I, I kind of figured that that was coming. Uh, I don't think that would work. I think the Eagles play on Sunday night this week and the Lakers play, so people would really be confused on why uh, Carson Wentz is watching the NBA Finals while playing in a game. 
But wouldn't be the first time Carson Wentz didn't show up to an Eagles game. Am I right, fellas? <laughs> Listen, I need you to respect my doppelganger. All right, he's having a rough year, but I just need to see some respect. Um, let's see. Our good pal Jacob Rue said, "If LeBron wins the title and is the Finals MVP, is that enough alone to have his jersey retired by the Lakers?" Uh, first of all, shout out to Jacob for for subbing in for me the last couple games and being the Alex Russo to my Rajon Rondo. Um, <laughs> Uh, and yes, I, I think so. I, the Lakers are 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 pretty stringent on on whose jerseys they retire. But come on, man, that's like greatest of all time. Uh, if he wins a ring for them, wins Finals MVPs, going into the Hall of Fame, obviously, I, I think I think he's a shoe in to have his jersey retired. I think when you factor in just kind of the context of it too, not yeah. only what the the Lakers have kind of endured this year, but when he came here to the Lakers, the Lakers were in a dark place. I mean, they hadn't been in the playoffs in five years at the time. Obviously, yeah. his first year didn't go as planned, but he's helped revive this franchise. You know, obviously yeah. didn't do it by himself, but he was kind of the first big domino to fall that really rebuilt this culture and rebuilt this franchise into what we're accustomed to seeing it being. And th- that means something. That definitely means yeah. something. And like you said, obviously a Hall of Famer. And if he gets – especially if you get – the 17th title so that Celtics yeah. fans can't say 17 is more than 16, blah, blah, blah. Like y'all can suck it. So I, I, I will push back on him being the first big domino. I think the first big domino was clearly Contavious Caldwell. I Pope. knew you were going to go there. With the... <laughs> uh, I, I got nothing to add on that because it's, it's just factually correct, but uh, Bevers also said, do you think Heat runs majority zone in Game 3, and what adjustments would you like to see the Lakers make? I think we both kind of talked about the adjustments. One, of, I think one thing I'm not sure if I said or you said, uh, cut off dribble penetration better. Yes. It was it was tough, I think, for the, the help defense because Olenek was in the game a lot, and he spaces the floor better than Bam does. Mm. Not that Bam's a, a space killer or anything, but – Olenek basically just hangs out at the three-point line. So a little tougher for help defense to to help on those drives to the basket. But Laker defenders have to do a better job of containing dribble penetration and not allowing so many shots around the basket or basically having to recover and, and foul the guys and, and put them on the free throw line. Yeah, uh, I think that's the number one thing. If, if At least <laughs> at least don't make it so easy because there are a lot of these were just straight line drives and, and then – yeah, you're you're basically forced to foul every time and putting them in the bonus early, and then they're shooting 34 free throws on you. I didn't even think the officiating was bad. I think those were pretty legit 34 free throws that they got. You got to do a, a whole lot better job of uh, of you know defending against uh, dribble penetration and just not letting them get to the paint. It felt like the Heat were touching the paint literally every single possession. If you I'm, let a team do that, they're going to beat you. I mean, I think it was a. I'm gonna have a hard disagree here. I think it's a league conspiracy against the Lakers. <laughs> they do not want this Cinderella team to, to make it all the way. Like it's a fun run, but they obviously want the, the glamor franchise and the juggernaut Miami heat to, to, to win the title and not these underdog Lakers. But we believe we believe it's bad for NBA ratings. That's what Ethan showed. <laughs> uh, do you think, uh, oh yeah. So Bevers to your first question, do you think heat runs majority zone in game three? I think if Bam is back, they run less zone. They played it a lot tonight, and I think with Bam, they match up a little bit better. They're definitely going to play it, but I don't think they run it as much tonight as they did in, or as much in game three as they did tonight. 
Yeah, I think from the perspective of, of making the Lakers take three-pointers, I think that is a good thing for them because the Lakers aren't a great three-point shooting team. And, you know, tonight, Danny Green and, and KCP went a combined three of 19 from three. So, uh, you know, if you're getting – if you're forcing that to happen, you're, you're giving yourself a better chance. But – the whole point of the zone is to try to contain the other team from getting to the rim, and the Lakers were still getting to the rim uh, pretty much at will. So I think you kind of have to play it straight up and let Bam uh, try to take AD out of the game as much as possible and and, and just uh, help him recover as much as he can off of the Lakers shooters. Yeah, I, I think they have to play some zone just from a, yeah. a personnel standpoint. They just don't match up very well with the Lakers, with, with the difference in, in size and speed and athleticism and strength at the front court, because after Bam, it's it's a pretty big drop-off um, in Miami's front court. So, so yeah, I, I think they will play some zone. I think they have to, basically, at this point, to try and either throw a wrench in, in the Lakers' offensive rhythm or try and have them shoot a lot of threes because the, the shooting has come and kind of comes and goes with this team, and today I thought it – wasn't great, but yeah. it uh, it is what it is. They they made enough. So uh, Bevers also says so. Caruso is eighth player to record twenty steals in the postseason. First player off the bench. If that's true, that's a pretty uh, that's kind of a cool stat for yeah. Caruso to be a part of. Yeah, that's I I hadn't seen that, so I'm taking your word for it because I want to believe that that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had somebody say Heat subreddit has two separate threads saying refs are the reason they lost game two. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't think you get to shoot twice as many free throws and then complain about the officiating, especially when, I mean, the other team's just better. Like, yeah. I'm not saying the series is over, but the Lakers. We have enough evidence to to draw a conclusion that the Lakers are the better team. Now, sometimes the better team doesn't always win the series, but so far the better team is up 2-0 in this series. We'll see if that changes, but. Uh, let's see. Zero free throws in the fourth for the Lakers. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, a lot of comments on the, the officiating. I, I agree with, with Hani. I, I do think the Lakers just were kind of lazy on defense and got beat a lot of times and had to foul and it is what it is, but you know, uh, just gotta be better. Gotta be better. Uh, Dylan says, how much longer is this going to run? We need Hani for pro clubs. It's true. They do need me. Without me, they get relegated every every season. So uh, now I, I just I'll, I'll get I'll get on there soon enough, Dylan. Okay. Well, this has just been uh, upgraded to a three hour podcast. We got one hour down, two to go. So uh, you think? Let's see. You think Danny Green plays Game Three? If not, who starts for him? I think he plays. Yeah, I think so. He definitely did get banged up, and and that hip seems to have been uh, bothering him for a while. But definitely in this game, but. He came back into the game, so I'm assuming he plays. I guess if, if he didn't, you'd just slide in uh, probably Caruso into that starting lineup, but I, I, I'm not too concerned about that at all. <laughs> you'd probably slide in Caruso or maybe Kuzma just to keep some size on the on the wing, but yeah, yeah, I, I, think, he, I think he'll play. I mean, at, at this point, it's probably going to take a uh, pretty severe injury to keep a lot of these guys out and uh, – that's why, that's why I anticipate Miami's guys playing in game three because it's change, do or die. I'm going to change my answer, though. If, if he doesn't play, they should start Dion. Total heat check. <laughs> Dion's just chilling knowing he's getting a ring out of this, like, regardless. Yeah, it's I, incredible. One time I wanted to look over and just see him, like, with his feet up eating popcorn over <laughs> there on the bench. 
Hey man, I don't want to see him eating anything because you you don't know what else that's laced with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, adding on to the jersey retirement question, what if LeBron switches to six next year and AD is twenty three? Going to be confusing if this is the only title he wins here. I yeah. guess you'd, I guess you'd retire six just because AD is probably going to be wearing twenty three for the rest of his career here. I'm I'm still skeptical LeBron even wears number six because that number is going to be retired for Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. But uh, yeah, no, I don't know. The Lakers will figure it out. Like, uh, I don't know. I mean, they could retire two twenty threes. Like anybody that knows their Laker history would understand what that would mean. So um, I don't know. That's we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Let's just enjoy the hell out of this team because they've been incredibly fun all year long uh let's see if lakers won and 80 wins finals mvp do they retire his jersey would have similar resume as lebron with the lakers as long as anthony davis doesn't leave anytime soon i'm pretty sure he's gonna have his jersey retired as a laker yeah i think he is on pace to be a hall of famer um which is kind of the main the the main thing that the lakers look for uh in a person that they retire their jersey um, I guess it's an interesting debate of whether he would he would make the Hall of Fame if he retired right after this, uh, right after winning a title with the Finals MVP. But I, I mean, I, I guess that's a, that's a weird hypothetical. But I think, like you said, eventually by the end of his career, he's going to have enough on his resume to, to have his jersey retired anyway. So it's basically a foregone conclusion at this yeah. point. So yeah. uh, I love that we're talking about jersey retirement after Game Two of the Finals. <laughs> Very Lakers chat. It is. Like I said, Lakers exceptionalism is fully back, baby. We're signing all the free agents. If you have a franchise, it's like the old Mitch Kupchak meme that Ryan Kelleper used to always bring up where he's like pointing (laughs) at somebody and he's like, you will surrender your franchise player. That's what Rob Palenka is going to start doing now. He's just going to point at opposing GMs and be like, give me your franchise player right now. My my brother sent me a lovely photo of of my one-year-old nephew wearing a LeBron Lakers jersey that I got him. Uh, when basically when he was born, and uh, he's going to be the next next Laker to have his jersey retired, I think. Future Laker. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, that is it. We got a question about uh, Game Three. When Game Three is, it is uh, at Sun or at Sunday on Sunday uh, at four thirty Pacific time. So watch football, you know, during the afternoon if that's your thing, and then get ready for Game Three of the finals. And uh, it's going to be going to be fun. I'm, it's weird, like, even going into this game, I wasn't nervous. I was just excited for it, which feels weird about an NBA Finals game to not be overly nervous. But that's the belief that we've had in this team, the con- the confidence that this team has instilled in the fans. And I'm excited, man. Two more. Two more to go. It's cra- crazy to think about. It has been such a long, long, difficult road for us fans of the Los Angeles <laughs> Lakers. Um <laughs> But yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it. It seems like, again, knock on wood, it seems like it seems like things are happening, uh, happening very quickly, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun next week. Two more wins from celebrating a championship, and then Hani can get back to his wives. So exactly. All right, and we're we are celebrating with a Popeye's chicken sandwich we after are. whatever game they they finish this with. Maybe just live on the pod. Like I, I'm down. I'll order some DoorDash or whatever if, it's on. If you guys. Uh, Want to watch, watch us eat a Popeye's chicken sandwich? I mean, <laughs> join in after uh, the Lakers win the title. <laughs> Lakers win the title and everybody gets on for an ASMR podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right, I'm getting us out of here before this really derails. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining us as always. Uh, like I said earlier on the pod uh, or the stream, whatever you want to call it at this point, uh, we're doing these live after games. So be sure there's there's three different ways you can join us live in the chat and send us questions and, and all that fun stuff. Twitch.tv slash Lakers Outsiders. Really appreciate it if you follow us there. Uh, you can subscribe to us on YouTube as well. And you can set those notifications so that you get notified whenever we go live. And we usually give you about give people about five to ten minutes to kind of gather in uh, before we really get going. And then like us on Facebook. We'll be live there as well uh, on Sunday after game three. Luckily, Hani uh, made it through this without any technical difficulties. But if the Lakers lose game three, I'm bringing Jacob back on because I'm not taking any chances. So, uh, yeah, we're going to get out of here. You can follow Hani on Twitter at H-O-N-I-A-H-M. I don't have it up on the screen, but uh, – you guys know where to follow him. He, he, he's got really bad tweets with occasional, <laughs> occasional good ones, and I just have really bad ones all the time. So you can follow me at Gary Kester. Um, it's Friday night, so I'm going to hop off here. I'm going to go over to my Twitch account if you guys want to continue talking about the Lakers, retired jerseys, Popeye's chicken sandwiches, whatever. You can follow me on Twitch, uh, just at SwishGK, uh, all one word, just Swish, you know, what Anthony Davis does every time he shoots, and then my initials, right. GK. Uh, so go ahead and follow me over there. We'll, we'll talk more about this game or game, future games, uh, free agents. I don't, I don't care. So we're getting out of here and, uh, thank you guys again so much for, for joining us and the support really means a lot. Really, really appreciate it. But, uh, until next time, this is Gary Kester with Hani Amadian and the Lakers Outsiders signing off. Shout out Lamar Odom.